The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only and does not take your personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Participants in this podcast may also own the stocks discussed. Welcome to Stock Tech. My name is Gaurav Sodi. Joining me today is analyst Mickey Morek. G'day, Mickey. G'day, Gaurav. And with us also is James Carlisle. Hey, James. Hey. Now, JC, I remember about, would have been about five years ago now, we got an unsolicited uh, piece of analysis on a crappy little, uh, what was it? It was like a uh, marijuana stock or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't some... a marijuana. Oh, it was? No, it was the poppy. It was the, oh, poppies, it was the poppy. Yeah, we the, got it. We got the opium. Yeah. Some kids send us this, this, this really quite detailed and. Well, he was, wasn't just, he was an employee. Right? Yes, that's so, right. <laughs> he wasn't just some kid. No, no, yeah. Someone, someone who worked in, in, in the sales department of, Investmart, who I'd never met before, um, and I think he was in maybe in a different city. I'm not sure about that, but he sent us an unsolicited piece of research on a poppy business, and that was our first introduction to one Mickey Mordek. Oh, jeez! Yeah, then, we know we, we did without Mickey. We promptly put it to one side and never <laughs> talked about it again. Well, I think I think uh, JC was pretty kind about it. He said, uh, yeah. "I don't think we're going to." Uh invest in this one but don't let us stop you well that's right because you wanted to buy it pa didn't you is that what, yeah is that well actually what, fortunately um, um you didn't fortunately I, uh, well fortunately i got out of it because it was right. uh did yeah, it right for a bit didn't it and then yeah. uh, it's, it it's been right? a pretty it's been a pretty bad performer we're talking about uh i think it's tpi enterprise thank you yeah. yes right, uh right. and well i changed its name now to palafarma but i uh yeah so i bought it and then i uh I quickly realized that they weren't actually um, doing much right, so I had to sell it. But I, I luckily managed to get out. Well, that's a, that's a that's JC, a how strong did, decision to make. How did we hire Mickey after he he wrote up a a, a stock that we were completely uninterested in? What, what, well, what it, was it's next? not always. I mean, that's the thing. It's not always about the stock, him. and it's not always. You know, it's a market, and there's always ideas on both sides of the of the coin, and. Um, it's a question of how you formulate those ideas, the approach you're taking, and uh, oh, come on. Was... we we did not hire him after that. He had to do something else. I think he well, brought up another was... stock. Oh no, that. no, we went to talk to him. I mean, uh, so I think I oh, was look, like... we were already talking to to, to Mickey. I think I, at that I point think, because I think he that was, was just his, because he was, he was, well, he was for us. well, he was no, but he was doing his CFA and he was doing. Uh, you were doing some other d degree, weren't you? At the well, time? I'd been, I mean, so... you were working very hard to better yourself. Well, no, I was, I was just kind of, I was just kind of fortunate because I, um, so Mitchell Snedden sort of hired me. So he's the head of portfolio services and, you know, so he, he made the intro, I think to Alex. And at the time, Alex was sort of coming down to, Alex Hughes was coming down to Melbourne every month to see, uh, his, um, his girlfriend. And then, uh, so I, I sort of latched onto Alex and, um, he sort of helped me along in the early days, and then I think he spoke to you, JC. Yeah, I think I had. Uh, yeah, Alex was talking up for you, which which definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think you came uh, to Melbourne, so that was I was just kind of it was just it was quite fortuitous, really. Um, but uh, oh, you who, make your own luck. You, know, you make your own, Well, you make your own luck. You were working very hard to 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 do to the trick CFA Alex. and that sort of thing, which which <laughs> shows that you 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 were keen and. And you understood some things. You had a good way of 
uh, thinking about things. All right, all right. Um, That's enough of that. Okay, the point is that Mickey got a job with us, and now, unfortunately, he's leaving. Mickey, this could be this could be your last. Uh, well, you said it before. This is probably your last act as a intelligent investor analyst for the moment, right? Is it? Uh, yeah. So we have we do we will have a, an article going out on um, United Overseas, and I think we've got oh, okay. a little yeah. So that's um. That'll That's be. nice of you. Okay. So there's a bit more work to come for me yet in your final week. All right. Um, we should add that every, almost every analyst who leaves um, Intelligent Investor in, inevitably comes back at some stage. So I'm going to wager, JC, I bet you that when Mickey has his first kid, uh, he'll probably come back and work at II at some point. Well, I don't know, but we'd, we'd, uh, we'd love to see him. I mean, it's yeah. been a pleasure, so... Oh, it's yeah. It's, I've been really fortunate to work here. I think it's it's you know it's, I'm I'm probably uh, really grateful for for everything. I think that you know the opportunity and so much uh, to learn here. So uh, yeah, now that, that's an excellent segue, Mickey. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to speak about that today. I mean, it's we actually have very low analyst turnover in this business. Um, the the three of us so. Um, JC, myself, Graham, and Nathan, for that matter. We've all been here for yonks. Um, John Addis, of course, is the founder of the business. Uh, so he's been here since day one. So it, it, there's actually very little, very low turnover. So this is a good chance to actually speak to a, um, a leaving analyst. And I guess, Mickey, what I wanted to get from you was a sense of how you've changed as an investor, whether you've tried to change and, and how you're trying to change. So let's try and unpack that with a bit of structure around it first of all um do you think it's important to actively change or to to actively try and uh, alter the things you do or are you do you think you've, you've sort of find an investment method and then just just kind of stick with it uh yeah so i guess um well i think you know for sure i've uh definitely changed and developed you know my investing style I think since I started and no I think more puppy just, stocks. <laughs> well, not, not, not anytime soon. Uh, although I, d I haven't checked into that story recently. Uh, but yeah, I think when you first start investing or when you first start out, you know, you don't really know, uh, anything. And so you just look to the people who have been successful and, uh, you know, and you, and you hope, you know, if you read what they say or you, you find out what they say, so, you know, you read the Ben Graham's, you know, the net net style stocks or the green blats, you know, the magic formula or the lynches. And then you've got, you know, this growth at a reasonable price. And so there is definitely get... a def defined list of stocks that a newbie <laughs> uh, of books that a newbie comes to. <laughs> I, yeah. get I feel as though there's a standard list that everyone um, ultimately reads. Yeah. And I, I think that's like, I, I think that's also a pretty good place to start because mm. you get this sort of playbook about, um, you know, what's worked uh for them um but you kind of assume early on i think that it'll work for you and actually that's that's how they became successful but i don't think you can just copy uh you know what's worked for for someone else so you kind of got to continue to i think um adapt and to find a style that that suits you and uh you know so and that's um I guess the the thing, and even within II, I think you know there's a lot of different opinions about. We're like we're all value investors, but I think even within that, there's quite a lot of different opinions about different things. 
And so you can sort of draw on that, but, um, uh, you know, you, there's lots of different ways to make money in markets and, um, you know, the game is kind of always changing. So I think you kind of have to continue to to learn and, and, and grow and kind of build on top of what you already know, really. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say, you know, you've got to continue to um, change and continue to learn and continue to, to, to find new ways to come at things. Like, if you look at Ben Graham, for example, you know, he's investing at a time when, you know, there's a great depression. People literally can't access their savings from their bank account. Mm. Um, there's no trust. No one believes, no one even knows what the stock market is. And then today. And there's no computers, got, right? There's no screening tools. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, you know, so how, and so, you know, back in those days, it literally was an edge to read an annual report or to like, you know, buy a low price to earnings ratio stock because, you know, no one else even had access to that information. Yeah. You probably had to calculate the PE yourself at that point. I don't know if it would have been published. Um, I don't even know daily, how to calculate it? a PE. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, JC, let me just check with you. Mickey it was was the um, was kind of the, the freshest analyst on the team and you're probably the most experienced. Is what he is saying ring true to you as well? Do you do? Yeah, you I, th I think it still does. Still try to change? Well, I... Um, well, I, I suppose to start at the beginning, I, I was already 35 by the time I joined II back in 2003, it was, I think. Jeez. And so, I mean, I, I, I guess I'd already gone through quite a lot of that. And that's, yeah, I suppose, yeah. that, you know, the, your first sort of 10 years um, are going to be, you know, the, the, the period of greatest change, I think, where you're looking around. I mean, I was looking at charts, I'll admit, in uh, 1990. I did not know 90, that. Well, 91 or 2, I'm talking right, about okay. here. I mean, it's a long, <laughs> long way ago. That was while I was still a lawyer, you know. And, th and then eventually I found Buffett, and hmm. that really put me on the, the right track um, because he talks about valuation, and I think that that's really the fundamental that ties everything together. Um, how you find value is a, is a different matter, and I think people have – different ways of, of doing it, but the ways that go wrong seem to me mostly to sort of distort it. When you're looking at just a PE based on last year's earnings, mm. you know, that's not valuation. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's pricing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, you know, and similarly where, where you're following a stock buying on a high price to sales ratio, just because the sales, come, uh, you know, are going up 20% last year and 20% this year, that that's also not valuation. So, you know, there are ways to find um, stocks, and I suppose that's what we call style hmm. um, within hmm. that overall sort of umbrella. And I, I settled pretty early before I joined, and a few years before I joined II, I'd already settled on a fairly, you know, high quality sort of approach. Um, and I, I've pretty much stuck with that. It's it's getting harder to justify though. The market seems to be yeah. you know, um seems to seems to be of that opinion also at the moment. So um but you know I'm I'm happy to keep slogging away with that and uh, I think the market will um will probably change before me. Yeah. I I I don't think I've actually tried to change. I've kind of have changed the thrust upon me because I've tried a whole lot of approaches and some things have worked for a while and when they haven't worked I've had to adapt so it's more I think it's more adaptation than than forced to change for me when I first joined II I actually learned a lot on the job I knew I knew shockingly little when I joined I wasn't totally aware that I knew very little um, 
and uh, I think when you're new to investing, what you reach for is numbers. Numbers offer offer a certainty that that your lack of experience doesn't provide. And I'm sure most new investors kind of grasp at the numbers and try and understand a very quantitative approach to investing. And from there, you really then need to add a layer of of uh, personal style. One of our teachers here, Hoff, always kind of says that you you got to learn all those rules, and then you got to learn how to forget all those rules and get past them but learning them is certainly stage one and and once you have all those tools it's awfully tempting to reach for them all the time because they sound so elegant and you know they make you sound so clever it really turns investing which i think is very uh, very much an art form into a bit of a into a bit of a science and I think that's an absolutely crucial point because I think um, that's really, to me, why you find a lot of value in stocks at the high quality end of the spectrum because I think people are drawn towards numbers and towards uh, the obvious and and they're drawn to, to these valuation metrics, the price earnings ratios, the yields and things like that. But those those are all sort of linear measures, whereas the way businesses create value over the long term that's exponential you know that's mm. that's re- reinvesting capital at high rates and that has an exponential quality which doesn't really get captured by a focus on the short-term numbers mm. mickey did you start off by grasping at numbers as well yeah i probably you probably weren't as bad as some of us in the early days i'd say yeah i definitely did because i you know i was used to doing maths problems in school and if you follow the correct method and you have all the variables, you get the correct answer. But And so you kind of, when you look at a company, you think, oh, there's going to be the right answer in here. You just have to look at the accounts. You just have to put the numbers in the right way. Hmm. And I remember actually when I first started at Intelligent Investor, I was sort of screening for stocks on low price book. And I think it was JC that said, the one thing you should screen for really is just companies with a durable competitive advantage. And that actually did change the way I thought because that's what you're really looking for. That's but what it's gives hard you the though. That's the point, stuff. isn't it? Capital IQ does not have a little button you can press to screen for competitive advantages. That's the point. That's why everyone's screening for price to book and ROE and, and all these short-term numerical measures. Yeah. And that's so that's the knowledge that's right there in the market. And the harder knowledge, the harder thing to investigate is the competitive positioning long-term. And like I said before, the market seems to be looking at that a bit more now than it used to. Yeah, so that's definitely changed the way I've looked at it. But I think you still need to have a valuation. It does become possible, especially in today's market, to yeah. almost rationalize anything if you don't tether it to something. But um, Yeah, I, I worry about yeah. that, actually. We talked about this internally a few times, but I wonder if the lessons of the last 10 years, <laughs> you know, we've we've evolved under a very specific set of market conditions and and I wonder whether we've learned the right lessons. So I've gone mm. from being very, I think, quantitative with my approach and very numbers-based to now being ultra light on numbers. Valuation is the last thing I look at. And it's probably the thing I give least credence to when I look at a stock now, most of the mm. time. There are some exceptions, but most of the time it's it's the last piece of the puzzle and it's it's the least important part for me. And it's worked over the last couple of years, but that might just be the, the market condition speaking and, and rather than the strength of the idea speaking. Yeah, you see, I, I would I would agree that the valuation is quite often the last thing I will look at, mm. but I wouldn't say it's the least important. I would say it's still the most important. I mean, yeah. I, I, the reason I don't look at the valuation at the beginning is because I don't want to be biased. 
Hmm. You know, if you if you find a stock on a on a you know, and you look at it and it's on a P of hundred, then it sets your mind in a certain direction, I suppose. Um, and similarly, if the P is on ten, you know, you're you're, you're expecting it to see certain things. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for analysing it in a, you know a fair, fair fashion and then having a look at the valuation when you get there. Yeah. But there've been a lot know, of stocks at though. half the price. The stocks are much better <laughs> prospect than at twice the price. You know. Well, yeah. well, but given the same, but things usually change, right? Um, so things usually change when uh, when the price moves, and and you've got to um, update uh, update your thinking yeah. as things change. And it, the price, everyone sees the price move, and that's a that's a very clear and obvious variable that's moving, and you don't often see the business changes that are behind that price move. So you, it's tempting just to look at that price move and say, okay. It's doubled, so it's not as good an idea. But it could oh, yeah, actually be a better it, idea um, at that, a higher price. Ab- absolutely, which is why you you don't want to be looking at these things before you do the analysis. But mm. but that said, um, you know the the valuation I think is still you know I think you've got to look at it in a. I mean, ideally, your valuation isn't going to change too much as the business progresses. If it's unless it's progress, progressing you know, better than you expect it. Just because it's growing sales or whatever, you know, it doesn't really change your, um, I mean, the question is whether it's going better than you had anticipated. And whether the market's pricing it for that, you know. Like Gaurav, I think it makes a good point though. Like, I think, because, you know, it becomes, it, it, it can become really hard to sort of value things because we tend to kind of underestimate what hasn't happened yet. And especially in good companies, I guess, where you've got a great manager or, you know, they've just got everything going in their direction. You kind of underestimate all these ways that they could pull a rabbit out of the hat. And, you know, so maybe, you know, you could have a valuation, but it's in really great companies, you know, you're probably always going to underestimate them. Um, and so maybe maybe the, the valuation actually isn't that important. And, you know, the, these truly incredible companies like... You know, I mean, well, but you want to know where the rabbits are. Google. I mean, I, I, it's all very well saying good companies have a, you know, the capacity to pull a rabbit out of the hat. But I'd rather see, you know, I'd rather see a good magi- a magician. I mean, I don't know. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather see the rabbit going in there in the first place. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I, you've got to have an idea where where those rabbits might come out, and then I think you've got to try to fax that factor those into your valuation. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I if you're, I'm, you don't want to be investing just on hope, you know. Yeah, no, well, no, yeah. We we should we should we should clarify that the three of us have very different investing styles to one another. So a lot of these arguments we're having, we have every day, and um, and they're not necessarily stock disagreements. This is mostly style differences coming out. Um, look, guys, I'm just going through my um, a, a couple of my personal holdings in my in my PA portfolio, and I just think. All of these positions, um, LaVisa, Aussie Broadband, um, Australian Ethical, uh, MinRes, um, Mac Telecom, these are companies that have multi-bagged for me over the last very short number of years. And I would never, if you you were looking at valuations at the purchase time, you would say all these companies are too expensive. None of them looked good value, you know, traditionally. I think that's the point I'm trying to make here is that um, of course, valuation matters, and I'm, I'm not advocating you disregard valuation altogether, but I think often, or, or the old me, and, and I think, you know, if I may, JC, the, the old, uh, older intelligent investor uh, would have balked at buying companies that looked obviously very expensive. We did it, but not as 
as I think as happily as as we would do it now. Um, what do you think about that idea? Yeah, I think that's broadly true. Um, I think we uh, we looked at stocks like REA and car sales fairly early on. And, yeah, that's true. And struggled yeah, yeah. to pay the high fees for yep, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so things like things like Reese kept us away from yeah. a while, but we yeah look, I mean, we got there in the end. But that was in a in a world where interest rates were higher, mm. and you know, I think that does make a difference to the P's you're prepared to pay if you think that those interest rates are going to stay where they are. That, you know, the long-term bond yield does make a, a difference to valuation. So, um, you know, I think... Um, well, we've joked about this before, semi-joked about it. But, I mean, if interest rates stay where they are, then technically, you know, the correct value for the market is infinity because, you that's know, right. you've got... Mickey, you've put got that on this. a T-shirt. That's, that's like <laughs> your catch cry, stocks to infinity. <laughs> you know, when your discount rate is so low... Then, well, if your discount rate's below your growth rate, yeah, in your in then then obviously your valuation is is in fact infinite. Um, yeah. But the trouble is that the world can only support so much. I mean, you know, that you end up with a company, every company owning the entire world. So that that, that obviously can't of, uh, work. Apple, um, Google, Facebook, Microsoft. Well, they're, they're not quite there yet, <laughs> you know. But I mean, so the point is that that valuation. You know, it's it's screaming at you that there's something wrong with what you're doing with the evaluation, and the and the answer to that is that stocks can't outgrow. But um, it's sort of what your, we're seeing though, as well, your, because you know you've got your opportunity the cost and, anyway. Teslas and stuff that are, you know, trading at you know what look like insane valuations, but it's basically just the market saying, you know, you, you're doing cool things. You know, here's our money. Just go and do more cool things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and the bond yield—it's important to bear in mind—is not the opportunity cost that you should be. It's not the discount rate you should be using in your valuation of a stock. I mean, you're, a, a stock should be priced to return more than a bond, um, because the bond um, is is rock solid. <laughs> and and uh, otherwise, if bonds re- return more than stocks over the long term, we'd all go bust. Um, so the government governments would go bust. Their tax receipts wouldn't go up as quickly as their um, interest payments, etc. So you know you've got to add a premium onto that bond yield. And also remember that the short-term bond yield is whatever it is, one two percent, or but the longer-term bond yield is it moves around more slowly. So that's um, you know what is it four percent at the moment, and and so. You know, it's the long-term bond yield you've got to you've got to focus on, and you and you have to put some sort of premium onto that. And so it's it's how the market sees those things and how you see those things that affect affects the price-earnings ratios you're prepared to pay. Although you know, I did say a moment ago that one shouldn't worry about those too much, <laughs> <laughs> based on last year's earnings. I mean, what you've got to try to think about is is what a stock could be earning in ten, twenty years' time, and what what sort of growth. You know that that entails whether you know whether if it does that it's going to have lots of competition. So JC, as long as I can remember, um, I've that that's the classic Carlyle approach. It, it, it feels as though that hasn't really changed all that much. It's, uh, as I, as you said earlier, I think that's because you've done a lot of your evolution before you got to II. Um, would you you agree with that? That that uh, that that yeah. kind of yeah. um, it matters what the business is doing in, in or you, you rarely say 10 or 20 years time. You're often talking about sort of 50, 60 years time, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you've got to look, I mean, especially when interest rates are low, especially when your discount rate is low, hmm. the, the, fur, the more distant earnings become a greater part of your 
valuation. And yeah. so I think you've got to you've got to sort of look in that way. But I've struggled over the last few years. I should have made more money than I than I have, um, because I, I have struggled to pay the high PEs. I've mm. I've struggled to to take that low bond yield into my valuations the way the market has and, and i'm not saying i'm wrong about that <laughs> there's plenty of time for the market to be proved wrong about its valuations so uh i, I think you've got a i don't think it's wrong to have a re reluctance um to do that but i also think it's good to be looking at those companies which have that long-term potential i just want to buy them a bit cheaper and i, I suppose uh, i've taken profit in a few things before i should have Mickey, how have you specifically changed over the last little while? Can you think of a few practical ways? Um, definitely going through COVID, thinking about risks a bit more. Like I think, um, you know, you kind of, when you're going through the risks, it can be, a, you got to be careful not to make it just a box ticking exercise because, you know, you go, oh, there's this risk. Yeah. But yeah. actually like over the long term, like risks, will happen and and that and so you know some risks seem so remote that you don't you know you don't really think about preparing for them but actually they do happen and sometimes they can happen really quickly and sometimes you don't have much of a warning or you can you can actually just ignore signals or like near misses so yeah so i think um so you kind of got to invest on that basis like you got to obviously diversify mm -hmm. um in with the company specific risk but also you know, try. I think that's why the quality thing is so important because you know, quality businesses tend to um, handle these kinds of things much better and emerge in stronger positions. So when you're thinking really long term, um, you know, it's uh, you know these risks will happen, and then uh, so it's about investing in companies that can sort of navigate those those uh, um, external events, I guess, and sort of emerge stronger and. And, and so I think that that was that was a good hmm, good experience for sure to to kind of see how quickly things can change and um, just how how I mean that was that was a pretty wild wild time last March. It's easy to forget now with the market where it is. But yeah, um, no, I remember it was properly scary. I think we all had a a meeting on the day of the low and. Um, yeah, the, I, I do remember a rather grim mood. We all say we're all happy to upgrade. I think JC was, was actually buying stock. Um, I was nibbling a little bit, but most of I was of buying us, a little bit, little bit too early. A little bit too early, out. yeah. But I mean, yeah, I'm, you always, were downright in, I'm always in too early and then out too early as well. I mean, that's, that's the lot of the value investors, I suppose. But. Look, it won't surprise either of you to um, hear me mention the word hustle, which is, um, mm. which is really a concept I've pivoted towards quite powerfully over the last couple of years. Um, and um, by hustle, I, I've just, I've, I've, in my view, like there are companies who just get shit done. Sorry, not shit. They get stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> they get to just get stuff done. You know, they've, they've got, um, and it's not about a great CEO. You know, I think that's one of the, gr the greatest um, misnomers in business is that you need a great CEO to have a great business. Now, I I'm not sure you... Well, no, you can have a great business with us. So, yeah, but what you, what's more important than that is just a wonderful culture, and um, and hustle is just is street talk for a great culture that can actually get stuff done. And this really came to me when I was just com thinking about companies and comparing them. So I remember when everyone would agree that Woolies is a great business, right? We all think it's a wonderful company. They got into hardware, which I think was a a great idea. You know, Bunnings is there earning these 
extraordinary returns with no major competition, like I would have been disappointed as a shareholder if Woolworths did not try and capture some of that pie. So they did this half-assed, um, poorly designed idea, and they 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 went for it for twelve months. And when at the, at the first sign it wasn't working, yeah, they gave up. They well, shut the store. I reckon it was the third sign, but anyway, yeah, no, I, they, I was still backing them until they pulled the pin. I should say so. I'm, they I'm, pulled it I'm very no early at the first. Yeah, pretty early. And and and, early. and and West Farm has pulled the pin on Bunnings in the UK as well. Yeah, that was interesting fashion. as well. Yeah, I think yeah. there was more deeper stuff going on there. But but uh, Woolies was was really an eye opener for me. And you compare that with. And what really got me into Domino's Pizza, when Domino's first proposed Japan, it was a uh, entering Japan. It was a crazy idea, and um, everyone said they were dumb. The Japanese don't eat pizza; have no history of it. And that was the experience. In the first two years, their sales were miserable, and it was not working. And instead of pulling the pin, uh, pulling the pin, Domino's management actually moved over to Japan. They sent their senior people to Japan. They lived in Japan. And over the course of months, and I think it took about 12 months or so, they just figured out, okay, why isn't this working? How can we tweak this to work? And, and that is hustle. You know, when you solve a problem um, with, uh, with curiosity and dedication and tenaciousness, that's hustle. And I just realized that, you know, Domino's has this. They've shown they can solve problems. And Woolies does not. Now they're both great businesses. You see, I, I know where I was. I thought you were praising Woolies when you no, said I was not. the pen of I, I think it was no. right to pull the pen of masters with, with I think hindsight. it's I, I no. Because right. it never had it never was able to get the right locations. I mean it could have changed its um, They have great locations. You know, they, they sold their locations yeah, to Home Consortium. Home Consortium yeah. is making Well the best bomb. ones they did. They made the, they sold the best. but look, I um Bunnings took over some of their locations. Yeah, the <laughs> yes, that's ones. right. Look, as yeah. I say, the best ones. But you've yeah, got to no. get the large network, the big footprint to to make the thing. I just think the problem. difference there was 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 hustle for me. Um, maybe, and maybe. and now all my investments, that is the number one thing I look for. And uh, you know, more than the numbers. I mean, Lavisa was one. Well, I think I invested in that at sort of forty times earnings, and um, and that was all about management who can really hustle and get stuff done open stores quickly they know exactly what they're doing that for me those softer cultural qualitative measures have become far more important than any numbers that i used to dwell and you know focus so heavily on but i think what you're what you're differentiating there is the short-term numbers and what you're you're so all all of those business factors that you were describing go into what uh, give the company a chance of, of making good numbers in 20 years time and so that's so the numbers are important, but you've got to think you've got to be think looking ahead, not in the rearview mirror. I think is is really the point, isn't it? I'm I'm going to bring up another example, JC, because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this concept is really important. So Aussie broadband. I remember when I bought Aussie broadband to you guys as a um, as a as a Dragon's Den idea, and it, at that stage it was loss making. It had no competitive advantage, and that was one of the great discussion points in in our internal review was that it had no competitive advantage except that it had a founder who's worked on this business his whole life um, who's built it out of uh, a regional victorian isp and has slowly grown so it's the only the only advantage there was was hustle uh, and it's, it's been a wonderful recommendation and 
it, the whole thing we was were... stitched together with with hustle. Yeah, I don't think we were against that. I that was, but that, that was uh, the talking. The no, talking no, I, that's no, that's not how I, I remember it. Excuse me, did you buy Mickey, it, James? Mickey can <laughs> be the uh, the the arbiter on this. He was on my side, if I remember rightly. Um, it was the it was the <laughs> it was how big a market they were going to be able to, you know. Um, for a premium broadband operator, it's a question of how much of a percent of the market is is their sort of top whack, and after that, yeah, I suppose you're, you're flying naked. You, you, your hustle and your culture can get you to, you know. But are they going to have fifty percent of the market on it? So, I think we were worried about. Um, but but they have. I think um, last time you explained it to me, pulled one or two rabbits out of the hat, or they're they're you know they're they're going into other areas. Yeah. And uh, and that might produce the extra upside. But, you know, ultimately, you, you don't have to be in every single stock. You know, I think if you if you can't quite, you know, hustle, um, if you think the market is, you know, uh, the market opportunity is capped, hustle only gets you so far, you know. Now, again, I'm gonna, look, I'm going to put up another example to refute that, okay? Um, Macquarie Telecom, <laughs> run by two of the best telco uh, founders in the business, um, oodles of hustle, nothing but hustle. They started life as exactly like um, 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 Aussie Broadband, nothing but a reseller of someone else's products. And for the first probably 15 years, that's all they did. And now they are a... Um, a a uh, data center operator with all sorts of competitive advantages that are very easy to see. Um, and I think that's just what, that's what hustle gets you. You know, you can start from one area and go into another and it's not, it's not obvious. There's no straight line or any map that, that an, an outsider can see that gets you there. You just, I, I think identifying hustle and kind of backing so it. So I think this is a, a, a beautiful point because this is we're all i think under uh, underneath it all we're all talking about valuation but we, we have different ways of yeah that's actually of, a good of point actually that's getting true. to the getting undervalued there. stocks yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you like to see a business that has hustle in its culture and that i'm i have to say trying to look more at culture these days i think it's in, increasingly important but i find, if I may it, very say di- so, I find JC, it very difficult i think you were the first one to to bring that into the dragons then um bring one into culture Oh uh, well, I never yeah, I mean, considered until you you started talking about it a little bit. Oh well, thanks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, but what I was going to go on to say is, I find it very difficult, and and yeah. I still so I like to see what you might call hustle in terms of the actual product, actual yeah. um, thing that the company produces. Um, so I which which I tend to call um, added value. So I, yeah. so underpinning a company's mm. future success, everyone looks at the competitive positioning and Porter and all that sort of thing. But having a product which delivers massive value compared to its mm. cost, mm. Um, if you can protect your competitive advantage supply in that, then you, you, it's that added value that really gives you the, the, the sort of safety net. It's a wonderful um, idea. Can you can you just explain for everyone, um, just with an example, because this is a I think this is a really well a great a great example would be medical developments, which we've recently mm. um, upgraded, which makes the you know the green whistle, and uh, you know they cost forty bucks, and uh, when you're writhing around on the floor of an escape park with a broken leg. Sound familiar, um, Mickey? You know, <laughs> you know that forty bucks is is that's 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 really good value right there. Um, 
but uh, you know, ordinate is another one. You know, because, I thought you were going to go with ordinate. Actually, yeah, well, there you go. It's um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and enables you to get rid of the, uh, of that spaghetti of cables. Yeah. Um, you know, and and just plug everything into into a computer. That's fantastic. Mm. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't cost a lot. It costs whatever is the chip or the software that goes into your computer to make it work or into your microphone. Mm. Um, Altium would be another one, mm. um, you know, helping people to design printed circuit boards. That's not just helping them do what they want to do, but the printed circuit board itself um, mm. adds huge value to mm. um, products. And so helping people um, to make those things. So this is all, you know, I mean, I suppose the paperclip is the classic example um, because it's just a piece of wire bent round. Um, and yet it does a, a, an amazingly good job um, for, for zero cost near enough. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that anyone can make it. So what you need, if you were the only person in the world who knew how to make paperclips, paper you'd do pretty well, I reckon. Well, there's so, that Japanese business. Um, what's it called? Uh, that zip business. Uh, KK something. What's it called? I don't know, but uh, oh, you've mentioned it before, actually. Yeah, uh, I've mentioned it yeah, before. I yeah, can't yeah. believe I've forgotten the name. But yeah. but if you look at the if you look at the the logo on your zip, if you have got a zip somewhere on your clothing, yeah. chances are it's um. Oh, I've got can you can you yeah. undo the zip with a with a magnetic watch like uh, James Bond did in uh, <laughs> was it um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service? I think that's the uh, that that's added value right there. But that's a great example, JC, because um, you know you'd, you'd think that uh, a zip is very easy and cheap to manufacture and just be made in China somewhere. But in fact, because if the zip fails, the entire yeah. garment you can have fails. good ones and bad ones, and, yeah. and, and they are cheap. That's that's right. So that what it costs the company to make a zip yep. compared to its value if it Correct. is a really good one and works. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's um, yeah. That, that so that's added value, and I think that that underpins. I mean, obviously, you need the competitive advantages. Otherwise, everyone's going to come and make it. But mm. but th these things play together. And then I think the third leg of that um, is is the management and culture or the the, the hustle um, that you describe, which is also hugely important. You really want those three things to be singing along in harmony. Um, but it's hard to – I find the, the hustle bit quite hard to, to, um, to pick. Uh, I mean, I'd certainly try to avoid – companies with, with with sort of red flags in that area but actually trying to positively select based on that i think is harder than yeah so i i i i prefer to focus on the on the added value and the and the competitive positioning i suppose mickey do you have a metric or a shortcut that you use now that you didn't really use before oh um yeah and but i think i really liked the the hustle um idea as well like i think it's a it's a really good way to think about um business but i i mean um because you know as you as you kind of saying you know like when i think it takes a certain type of person to even start a business really mm. because you know there's a lot of risk and people just most people are happy you know just getting a paycheck and not taking risks and not you know things like that so if someone gets a business to to, to something special, you know, they've already shown the ability to build a business and then they can sort of apply those skills to anything, really, any industry. And I guess if you look at the best, you know, CEOs today, like someone like Jeff Bezos, he's done that over and over and over again. He's, he's built a new, uh, you know, massive e-commerce business and then he went off and built this massive um you know, cloud business as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so those skills are really quite adaptable and 
So I, I think that's. A, and I think there's an important point, point you make there as well with with you know around founders. Um, you know, the founder versus the sort of bringing hired MBA. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 founder has you know proven hustle, whereas the MBA who comes in with a swag yeah. of share options yeah, doesn't yeah. necessarily he knows a lot of theory. It doesn't necessarily have the hustle, but he but he may have a a bunch of share options which which you know, really incentivize him to go for or her to go for the, the Hail Mary uh, rather than, so it's, it, so it's risk, but it's calculated risk. And business is all about calculated mm. risks mm. and, uh, you know, doing the right thing at the right time, uh, not just um, going for broke because you got an option set at the right price. Yeah, no, I gu- guarantee you that the, the guy who, who talked uh, Woolies out of hardware was an MBA in a suit, <laughs> never ran a business before. And just had all this theoretical knowledge about why that was a bad idea. Um, I would add, sorry, the other the other thing I think I've learned as well um, was uh, I think um, there's been certain businesses that I think just get kind of misunderstood, yep. and yep. Um, like things don't always have to make sense to for you to have a good product. Like I get I get the added value thing, but I think um, you know if you look at something like Afterpay, like we all kind of talk about, and we've already talked about this on podcasts and mm. written articles about it but we kind of didn't really get the product and so we kind of just didn't see why anyone would use it instead of a credit card yep. you know we thought yeah. through a very yeah. analytical very we didn't understand the added value we, we were looking in the wrong direction for, yeah. for that but, added value that's yeah right. but sometimes yeah. you don't even necessarily need there to be any added value it's just the perception of added value it's vitamins just, right yeah like if vitamins work they'd be called medicine and, <laughs> yeah, so, I suppose that's true, but that's I, I, I mean, yeah, there's, there's definitely companies that do well just with the marketing, and I suppose what you would then say is it's that perception of, of value rather than the value itself. But I would I would say that for me, and that this comes back to style, that's just where it starts to get very hard. So I just try, you know, I'm happy to see some added value, and if that means I miss. The ones where the added value is a little bit more, then that's fine. The market mm. can have those, and uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I feel I feel a bit bad <laughs> about not having a hundred bagger on afterpay, but you know. But I guess it's like it's okay. all about. I guess it's like when we come back to style, this is all about like how we're kind of trying to find an edge or trying to you know develop our yeah. own. Well, so I guess right. if you're looking for yeah. hustle, or if you're looking for you know, maybe ideas that don't make sense, but are popular, you know, you can, you can, you can probably like, you well, know, but I think that those there. ones that, 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 that don't make sense where there isn't any obvious added value, but where maybe there's a perception of it, those ones you're describing are perhaps the ones where actually there doesn't tend to be good value. There, there's well, a, there, say, there's guess, a few successes. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't occasional afterpays, but, but I think that as a hunting ground, it's not necessarily such a great place and and remember that with afterpay you're not getting a hundred bagger anyway because you're mm. surely taking some profit along the way as i think uh john um addis wrote the other day well, in that article yeah. about hundred baggers but you know so um it's a question of where's the best hunting ground for you that's what we're talking about with style and you know all of these so i think those are the elements aren't they that so you've got the hustle you've got the added value you've got competitive positioning and, and ultimately you've got price but those those are the sort of hunting grounds and and how you personally feel able to judge things is i I think it's a dangerous game trying to well i don't know i I, i've never been able to judge um you know this idea of perception of value this this sort of marketing edge the the vitamins and and whatnot 
Mickey, if yeah. I can just put words in your mouth for a second here, it, it sounds to me as though you're talking about um, if you're unable to identify the value, it may just be that you don't see it because of your you know, personal situation or whatever, but we shouldn't discount that there might be value for others. So the, yeah. um, the proof of, of huge customer growth and uh, that might be enough rather than us trying to, you know. Well, but the out, proof of the proof of huge customer growth is, is somewhat backward looking, although, I mean, it reflects some, some momentum in the business. I suppose that's right. But this is the, but that's a short fact, short term factor that the market can see. So I think it's hard to have an edge over the market in, in something yeah. like but that. But if something, something is something growing, that's though, working. Then, then yeah, but the market the, can that's, see that's that. The, that's the market saying, that's not, not the stock market. That's the... No, 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 but the stock market people, can people, see that. That's consumers saying, we like this product, and yes, that's a that's really right. strong signal. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's you a, need you need yeah. to pay attention to that. And yeah. and if you don't understand it, you need to find out what's going on. And well, and, I don't think you, I don't think you do because you don't have to be in every stock. That's the point. I don't think. But you, you should you should pay attention. I mean, if if you should you should pay attention to something that's growing sales. I think if it's growing oh, sales, that's a that's yeah, a good I, sign. I that, think that's dangerous. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see. I like companies that are growing sales, but but I'd rather that was for um, reasons which. Um, Perhaps the market doesn't understand so well. I mean, the the but like Afterpay is a good example. The market didn't really understand why sales were growing. Yeah, no. um, and I certainly didn't, and I certainly didn't, and I and I've missed out on it. But you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that's been the wrong thing. I wasn't shorting it. I don't think I was ever saying it was a sell either. <laughs> well, um, yeah. so no, you no. know. I guess it, I was, I guess I was, your I was point, always JC, saying though, I would never buy it. But your I don't point, think, I guess, would you know. be like that. That that um, you know, it's dangerous to just extrapolate that if you don't understand it. I guess. Yeah, would, if you, you, yeah. You, the, it's your circle of competence. It's that that whole thing. You, you, it's perfectly fair to say, look, something whatever's happening there is not something I would like to hang my hat on. Mm. And, I'm actually uh, I'd probably land you know. more on Mickey's side on on this one. Um, Lavisa is another example. I think it was showing remarkable sales growth and, and the economics were just stunning. And I remember the first time we looked at this, we were doing a, an exercise on retailers and this one we used just an example and, and everyone was was flabbergasted by the economics and the valuation. I think it was about three bucks at the time. And we just, um, like I think the rest of the market did as well, we we passed it off as being a fad. And I think that's, that's the thing that the oh, market yeah. often gets wrong. The market is mostly old guys in suits in an office were already rich. Speak, speak for yourself. <laughs> I, 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 I was not passing it, Lavisa. In that, in, I remember that um, mm. uh, development session, and I was not saying it was ridiculous. Yeah, no, no one was saying it was ridiculous. I, but I, no was, one not went say, I was not passing it off as a fad either. I was saying it might be a fad. I have no idea. Yeah, and and therefore I'm not interested in in buying it. Well, the, the fact that uh, I think most of the market did pass it off a fad, and I think often with these, uh, well, the market with, may have, yeah. yeah, yeah, with with newer companies, especially that are doing something that um, uh, that is unfamiliar to mm. a lot of market participants, they um, it it does get passed off as a fad. Afterpay is is one example. Lavisa is another, and I'm sure there are lots of others. Yeah. So um, looking for fads which aren't actually fads. <laughs> well, no, but that's this write that down. Yes, It may be that that some people have an edge in, uh, you know, spotting fads yeah. which actually aren't fads. You know, well, if you um, look at like, but I'm not um, sure that you know. To, to me, it's that added value in the product mm. which gives you some grounding and something. So, so I find, 
you know, it's a it's a different hunting ground. You know, that's mm-hmm. it. And and I, I feel that you know the important thing is not to get sucked into someone else's hunting ground that you mm-hmm. don't really understand very well, and then that's when you get into trouble. Yeah. Mm. Well, for yeah. me, I, I probably pay more attention now when I see uh, lots of evidence of customer growth. I probably I would in the past I may have dismissed it, saying, "Oh, it's a fact," but my first reaction is not going to be skepticism, and it's probably going to be, "Okay, well, let's try and and look at this a bit more, a bit of detail." And that customer love is as well as kind of a concept that's that's popped up now, but it's 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 kind of true. Like how that product makes these people feel mm. is so important because it's like that's what's it's not what they're getting from it. It's how it, it makes them feel. Now, I've, I've said I'm the I'm the whip out a, a quote that I often use. Mickey, apologize if you, if you've heard it before, but the best businesses are the ones that can turn rational, sensible consumers into a bunch of idiots willing to pay <laughs> <laughs> pay too much. I mean, lining up overnight at an Apple store or something, or yeah, um, or, or, or paying ten thousand dollars for a handbag, or you know, some stupid amount for a, for, for shoes or for a, a t shirt with a logo on it. Like these are all completely irrational acts, mm. and uh, and the company has convinced uh, people, or something has convinced people to do it, and, and those make great businesses. They're turning rational people. Uh, into irrational consumers is a wonderful business model. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it, it it is. But it, yeah, the 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 question remains though. I'm sorry, I'm 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 going around. <laughs> but the question I remains: knew, whether you're able, uh, well, whether you're able to to pick those better than the market. Yeah. The market mm-hmm. can see the customer yeah. right in the market. So so the question is whether that gives you something which you, whether you're better at spotting those than mm. the market. And I'm not saying that yeah that you won't be able to. Mm. I, I'm saying it's not for me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I am also saying I think it's quite hard. Um, I think it's much easier to see the added value in a paperclip, but then you'd think the market could see that as well. But I, I think the market often misses that, the, the, those points. I think, the market yeah, wants to see hard. those numbers. The market wants to see the, the customers' you know, numbers growing and all those sorts of things. Those are the sorts of things I think the market really likes to look at. Mm. I, it's definitely hard. I, I just, um, I guess it's just possible as well, though. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not no doubt about it. No doubt, there were people um, who got into Afterpay for all the right reasons and made an awful lot of money. And I would say, well done to them. That's uh, you know, but it, but it's not something I think I could have done, and I think I will get myself into trouble if I uh, keep trying to do that or or, or, or start. <laughs> well, I'd, every now and again, I do. I won't, I won't admit. <laughs> you know, you get sucked into things, and and they're the ones that. You regret? Well, Mickey, um, we should probably wind up this podcast. You know what? I don't know. There's we haven't one... had the dog. Where's the dog? I know. I was oh, going to well, say, me... we need a special <laughs> goodbye from the, from the dog. Well, the dog and I. The dog's name is? Podcast. Podcast? Um, today. Yeah, no, we, he helped me prepare today. Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah. By um, going outside and lying down. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good Having idea. A snooze. Yeah, he's, he's sitting in the sun at the moment, but um, now, I'll try and, try and get him on one day. We would love to have you back um, on occasion, so uh, don't uh, don't forget about us, and, and we'll try don't and get... Don't be a stranger. Um, yeah, so. don't, we'll, we'll try and get Mickey back every every now and again. But yeah. um, maybe you'd like to do the, the send-off, Mickey? Uh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, yeah, I guess thanks for, for everything, and thanks for, for having me, guys, and uh, thank you to all the members... Uh, as well for all the nice comments and uh, yeah, so thank you very much. It's a bit of a rookie sign-off, but okay, I'll, I'll come in and rescue you. <laughs> well, that was my best take. <laughs> Members haven't even heard the other. Oh, the others. Takes, yeah, so. yeah, we won't trouble them with that. Um, we better, we better um, wind it up um, anyway. 
Um, JC, thanks very much for your time today. Been a pleasure. Uh, Mickey, you've been a wonderful colleague and a wonderful friend. Um, I hope that doesn't change. We'd yeah. love to have you back at some stage, but um, fingers crossed. We'll see. Thanks very much for your time, and um, don't be a stranger. Thanks. For everyone else, thank you for listening.